Hello, everyone. It is November 5th, 2021, uh, and uh, Friday, and we're here to do our weekly video update for the Missouri Funeral Directors and Bombers Association. And since our next one was not scheduled until next week on the 12th, uh, that would be the day after Veterans Day. So this is the uh, the last broadcast we have prior to Veterans Day. So we wanted to uh, give a, uh, a big thank you, uh, shout out, and uh, uh, blessings to all of our veterans out there. Uh, November 11th, of course, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month uh, is the history behind that in World War I. Uh, so thank you to all of our veterans. I would salute you, but I know that uh, I have never been in the armed forces. So frankly, I don't feel I, uh, I've earned the right to salute you. Uh, that's something that's earned by being in the armed forces uh, to give and receive a true salute. So instead, I will just say thank you on behalf of all of us to you. A couple things that uh, are uh, want to cover today. One is for those of you that are sending in death correction affidavits, we are having difficulty right now getting appointments to do expedited ones. Remember, we can only, we can, sending them to us and having me take them over there does speed things up. But if you need, if it's an emergency and you need something done within a few days, the procedure has always been you need to send us some documentation, a letter or something that says what the emergency is. Then I go over there and I make an appointment. That appointment is usually at least at the soonest a couple days away, and then I can get the correction done. Well, we're having trouble getting these appointments for several reasons. First off, um, the person who has been doing these for us who is doing a wonderful job for us. He got promoted. He did too good a job and he's been promoted. So he is no longer there doing these expedited death certificates. The person who's handling it right now, uh, she does a good job, but it's not her full-time job. So she's got to split her duties between doing, you know, working on these expedited death certificates when somebody makes an appointment and doing her normal duties. I think they're trying to hire somebody uh, that a lot of people shift around. But anyway, that's a problem. Next, uh, we've had a problem here that's go still going on in Jefferson City. As you know, of course, uh, anyone you know can go in and get a death certificate for their mother or father or a birth certificate for their child just by going into their county health department office. And that's how it always is in Jefferson City. And as a matter of fact, when somebody comes normally comes into the state vital records office here in Jefferson City and they're wanting to have a get a birth certificate for their child, well, they have to make an appointment too, just like I do. But the uh, the front desk at vital records will tell these people oh, doing a, doing their job, of course, doing a good job. They'll tell these people, well, yes, you can make an appointment here if you want, but instead of that, you can go to your county, the local county health department. And you can get your uh, death certificate or birth certificate same day because they accept walk-ins. And so that normally works very well. Well, unfortunately, the Cole County Health Department has been having computer problems. They have not been able to print off 
death certificates or birth certificates for walking people that come into the Cole County. So they've been directing everyone over to vital records here in Jefferson City. So vital records has been swamped with people coming in that have been sent there by the Cole County Health Department office because they can't give them death certificates or birth certificates. So now they're all over in the vital records office. So there's that. Lastly, uh, and this doesn't affect it directly, but it, it, it has a little bit, as we had a great big fire here in Jefferson City at a state office building. Now, it wasn't vital records. It wasn't even the Department of Health. It was Department of Social Services. But it housed a lot of their computers, their IT department, a lot of their stuff there. And although we don't, they don't think they lost any data because stuff was stored off-site, the entire uh, state's IT system from office administration, which handles uh, computer stuff for just about everybody in the state, has been working to get them back up and running. And because of that, people who might normally be able to help vital records out, uh, if they're having any computer issues, well, they're not there because they're helping a, a much a big problem with social services. So the upshot is... Uh, even if you have a documented emergency where you need to get a death certificate corrected right away, we're having trouble getting those appointments to do it right now. Hopefully that'll clear up here soon. But just to let you know, uh, we can't get you a same day service. We can't get you next day service. I, on a Wednesday, was over there to try to get an appointment for an emergency. And they had nothing available this week. They had nothing available next week. Uh, they're going to try to see if there's somebody, if they get a cancellation or something, they're going to try to fit me in, uh, see if they can't find a spot. But as of this point, I don't have a, I don't have a spot for that emergency. So just again, uh, this just emphasizes the fact where whenever possible, uh, double, triple, quadruple check those death certificates before you submit them. Don't trust the family. I don't care that they tell you that this is mom's social security number ask to see the social security card, ask to see something, get the address right, make sure the name is correct as it is on their social security card or some other documentation because corrections are taken longer. People have been promoted. They're not there anymore. There are computer issues. There are scheduling issues. So uh, try to get it right as much as possible the first time so you don't have to correct it. Second thing, this just happened a second ago. Got a very strange call here at the office. Somebody said that they were calling from the yellow book. They asked for Don Otto. Uh, I picked up the phone uh, and they, were, they said it was from the yellow book. Well, I don't know if the yellow book has people working for them um, from Pakistan or... Uh, India or the Philippines or, or, or somewhere in, in East Asia. I don't know, but that's certainly where it sounded like this person came from. And uh, they just uh, asked for Don Otto. And I said, well, it sounded suspicious right away because uh, not only because she, this woman clearly was not speaking English very well, it was a very bad connection, staticky. And I said, well, who is calling? And she said, this uh, is from Yellow Book. And I said, well, I've, uh, this does not sound like a Yellow Book call to me. And click, hung right up. So that uh, is pretty obvious there that it was some sort of scam going on. Uh, don't know what they're, they probably do have a copy of the Yellow Book in front of them. And they're flipping through it 
uh, probably trying to get more information from people. So watch out if you get a call from somebody saying they're from the yellow book or the red book or anything like that. Um, either if you're not sure that it's them, get a number and then call them back. See if that works. Okay. Now, what I really wanted to talk to you about today is something I was hoping to cover last week, but the, the video was going too long as it was. And that has to do with security of your information at your funeral home. You may have read uh, that a few weeks ago, there were a couple of individuals in the Kansas City area who were arrested because they had taken information from funeral homes about the deceased people and used that to intercept or fraudulently apply for, or the, they got a hold of those $1,200 stimulus checks. Remember back during the, the COVID pandemic early, you know, the, for that year, there were several batches of these $1,200 stimulus checks that went out to people. Well, these individuals were using information from funeral homes in order to fraudulently steal those $1,200 stimulus checks. Now, the good news from the association perspective is if you if you took a look at those news stories, the actual funeral homes were not accused of doing anything wrong. The owners of the funeral homes, the funeral homes themselves, they're not, uh, they're, no one's accusing them of doing anything wrong. But these people, it, it's not even clear if these people were employees of the funeral home. That's not clear. But somehow, at very least, they might have been, not sure. But at least somehow they worked with the funeral home in some capacity where obviously they were able to get this some of this information. So that's a warning we want to put out to you. Every funeral home has lots and lots of personal information, not only on the deceased's, but on the deceased families, ages, social security numbers, addresses, hometowns, place where you live, a whole bunch of information that can be used by somebody in a fraudulent manner. Now, a lot of that information is not secret. It's not uh, something that people can't find out elsewhere. If you look in obituary, you're going to find out a lot of that information. And even some of the stuff that's normally is considered confidential by the federal government, by the state government, once a person dies, uh, a lot of those uh, restrictions on the confidentiality, uh, some of that goes away. It's, it's not as strong. But the thing is, though, even though this information might be available to people elsewhere, a funeral home has it all concentrated in one spot for a lot, a lot of people. You've got file cabinets full of obituaries and statements of goods and services and, and all this stuff that has names and dates and addresses and birthdays and all that stuff. And if somebody could get a hold of that, they could have a field day on doing things where they don't have to go to 15 different newspapers and get 15 different obituaries. They've got everything. They've got 150 uh, file folders right there. So that's the, that's the first thing is for all of your information, even the innocent stuff, make sure that you have some sort of security in place where those, that information is not accessible to people who can't just walk in, open up a file cabinet and grab it. Make sure your employees know that uh, they shouldn't just be handing this out unless the family, your customers tell them that it should be handed out to somebody. And even then make sure you know that you're doing it right. Have locks on your file cabinets, have locks on the doors to where your files are kept. If you have contract employees that come in and do things, that aren't your full-time employees. Make sure that uh, 
they can't get a hold of stuff they're not supposed to be getting a hold of. Lock the door. Now, that's just on the general information. If you are taking credit cards from people for payments, then you have to be really super careful because there are federal requirements as for keeping credit card information, what you have to do. And the best advice there is don't do it. Don't keep the credit card information. You can use credit cards. That's fine. But make sure you use a credit card processor. Make sure you do not write down somebody's credit card number and save it in their in a file holder in your file cabinet. No, no. We have sent out stuff on this in the past. If you have any further questions on that, call me. I can direct you to the, all the federal guidelines. Uh, maybe I'll put out an email on Monday that puts links to that in case you're interested. But holding on to credit card financial information, banking information, things like that, that puts you into a whole other category of things that you have to watch out for and not do or you can get in big, big trouble. So regular information, people's addresses, people's phone numbers, people's birthdays, dates of death, even the social security number, you're going to be keeping that information. You need to keep that information. Some of that information is stuff that you're required to keep by law. Keep that stuff as secured as possible. Now, again, you're a business. You're dealing with this information. You're dealing with families. Nobody can be perfect. Nobody can have absolute, complete security. You can't do that. But in the event that there's any problems and you get drug into any kind of lawsuit, what a judge is going to look at is, did you do, did you try hard? Did you do your best? You know, did you, did you leave a whole bunch of personal information on folks in the flower room where the florist is allowed to come in and out? Well, that, that wouldn't be too good, would it? Uh, did you have stuff in a room that uh, was locked at night and people weren't supposed to be getting into, but somebody jimmied the lock or broke open the door? Well, okay, you, you were trying. So that's the big thing is on that normal information, at the very least, show that you're trying to do your best for folks, trying to be careful with that information. And that way, if anything does happen, well, at least you showed you tried. And that does go a long, long way. Our good friends at Federated uh, Insurance Company, uh, they have an entire program. And I think I'll put this out in the email on Monday as well. Some links to that. They, they have a new program dealing with security of information, including security of your computers, because that's something else you have to watch out for. More and more small businesses are getting hit up with phishing scams, with uh, email scams, with even ransomware scams. Now, you all read about these great big ransomware things where an entire great big factory gets shut down and some uh, hacker in Russia wants $41 million dollars to release the computers because they're all locked up. Well, that does happen. But more and more of these are going to small businesses because the crooks think it's safer. They think you as a small business in town might give them $1,000 or $5,000 or $10,000 and not report it because you don't want to look bad. And it's cheaper for you to do that than it is to tell your insurance company, you know, so forth and so on. So more and more small businesses are getting up with these ransomware scams where somebody up one day you come in and your computer doesn't work anymore. It's all locked up. 
and you get a message that's saying that we'll release your computer and we'll release your data, but you're going to have to, uh, uh, you know, send us money before you do that. Uh, you want to avoid that. Some things you can do, of course, is to watch out for phishing scams. Watch out for emails. This federated program that they have, they have a whole program on, on how to try to recognize some of that stuff. And we'll put that in the link on the on the email that I'm going to send out on Monday uh, with all this. Um, but uh, also make sure that you back up your data, your key data, your customer data, your books, and keep that offsite. Here at the office, okay, uh, all of our financial data, our bookkeeping and all that is done uh, online. It's kept in the cloud by our accountants. We use federated funeral directors as our accountants, and so they keep that information online. So that's protected. Even if something happened and our computers all blew up here or burned to the ground, all of our financial data would be protected up there. As far as all of our uh, data on our membership, all of your, your uh, email addresses, your names, who the contact people are, all of my old articles like that, we back up our computers on a regular basis and keep that backup off-site. So even if we had a fire here or a tornado, we could back up. Here's the last thing everybody should do is get yourself a Get you, oh, that doesn't even show up on here, does it? Get yourself a laptop computer. It doesn't have to be an expensive one, uh, but get yourself a laptop computer that has a, a good size hard drive on it and don't hook it up to the internet. If you come in Monday morning and you find out all of your computers are frozen, how are you even going to get a hold of somebody to find out that the request help, you know, uh, if you need to use your computer? Have a laptop that is never hooked up to the internet on a regular basis so that it cannot get infected by things, but you'll have something handy to use if something bad happens. What about if your interconnection is, the internet is connection is down? We here at the office, that's happened a few times. Uh, my mobile phone, uh, it has a Wi-Fi hotspot on it. So that in the event our normal internet goes down, we can turn on the Wi-Fi hotspot and then get to uh, emergency internet access or something like that. So those are just things to, to think through. Watch out for what appears to be like a yellow book scam. Watch out for the phishing emails. Watch out for ransomware. Check out the email that we're going to send out Monday morning. It'll have some of this information on protecting data and links to the new federated program. Once again, shout out and thank you to all of our veterans. A week from today, Friday the 12th, I'll be uh, emceeing a benefit for our veterans here in Jefferson City. Uh, so I'm looking very for I'm looking forward to that. We're doing a USO type of show for our veterans, bringing in acts. Uh, that are uh, as similar as possible to what uh, veterans uh, might have seen uh, in their days in the service when a, when a USO uh, show came into uh, their area or something like that. So, that, so that'll be nice. I'll give you uh, an update as to how that goes or how that's going uh, when I get a chance. But again, November 11th is veteran. If you're a veteran, thank you. If you're not a veteran, look around and find one and say thank you to them. And until next week, then stay safe.